Well, it's good to see you this evening. Turn in your Bibles, if you will, You know, turn over to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. Jesus having a conversation with the Samaritan woman from uh, the town of Sukkar. And he says, verse 23, he says, Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, as we talked this morning uh, in Jesus' conversation with the Pharisees, and he said, you talk about and you brag about your relationship to God with Moses, he said in the writings of Moses, the scriptures that they were examining, he said, you think that by them you have eternal life because they gave them all these tangible things to go and to do and to be about. And he said, you take that as if that's life. That's life enough just to do things God told you to do. He said, but if you could hear the message of those scriptures, they're testifying about me and what you're refusing is you're refusing to come to me to have life. In John chapter five, this is one chapter after this one. And so John keeps bringing up these things. I think there's a point with what John is saying. God has always been after the hearts of his people. You can turn with me over here. Uh, let's just go to Romans. I'm trying to simplify this because there is a simple message. Uh, in Romans chapter two, the first, the last half of chapter one, chapter two, and chapter three, Paul lays out here uh, an argument, and this is this is how this is how man on their own has not heard or got a hold of the message of God. They they have failed to take what God is offering them, and he says in two seventeen. He says, now you, if you call yourself a Jew, if you rely on the law and you brag about your relationship to God, if you know his will and you approve of what is superior because you are instructed by the law, 
If you are convinced that you are a guide for the blind, a light for those who are in the dark, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of infants, because you have in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth, you who teach others, do you not teach yourself? You who preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that people should not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who brag about the law, do you dishonor God by breaking the law? As it is written, God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. He said circumcision, one of the things they're bragging about, circumcision has value if you observe the law, but if you break the law, you have become as though you have not been circumcised. They're trying to take they're trying to take circumcision, which actually came before the law, but that's an external act of their covenant with God. And they're trying to take that and say, God is pleased as long as this is outwardly and physically done. Well, that's not true. God was after more than the outward and the physical. He said, verse 26, if those who are circumcised, if those who are not circumcised keep the law's requirements, are they then not regarded as those who were circumcised? The one who is not circumcised physically and yet obeys the law will condemn you who even though you have circumcision in the written code are a lawbreaker. Now here's the point of all that, a real simple statement, and I started to just read this. So if all the rest of that was too much Inside dialogue, fine. Concentrate on these two verses. It's really plain and simple. He said, a man is not a Jew if he is only one outwardly. Jewish law and Jewish religion was filled with outward external circumstance, uh, uh, commandments that required them to do this, do that, to go here, to go there. He said, but a man is not a Jew if he is only one outwardly nor is circumcision merely outward and physical. Jewish circumcision was outward and physical. It's a surgery. The priest performs it. It's an outward and physical surgery. Paul said it's not merely that. It's not merely that. No, a man is a Jew if he is one inwardly. And circumcision is circumcision of the heart. By the spirit, not by the written code. Such a man, such a man whose heart is circumcised, not just his outward physical body, such a man's praise is not from men, but from God. So they're taking a covenant commandment to be circumcised. All the males of Israel were to be circumcised on the eighth day. That's a commandment. And they're taking that commandment and producing something that men brag about. They brag about their physical circumcision in regard to their relationship with God. Well, of course they're God's people. They're circumcised. Paul said circumcision should have been deeper than that. It should have been more than the outward and physical. Jeremiah chapter 4 and verse 4, Jeremiah says, circumcise your hearts. Deuteronomy 10, uh, verse 16, 
Moses said, circumcise your hearts. Deuteronomy 30, where, where they're having the, the covenant of blessing and cursing, the renewal of their covenant, and he said, God's going to bring about this day where God circumcises your hearts and you obey his commands from the heart wholeheartedly, and you're his God and he is your, uh, he is your God and you are his people. And so I said all that to say God has always been interested with the heart of his people. God has, since he sanctified Israel as a nation, he, he has given external, external commandments, things that they are to physically do. But everything God gave them physically, every commandment he gave them to do was to have some connection with their heart. And it was to keep their heart turned toward God and away from the world. Now, if that's true, and it is too true, how much more true would that be for us today? Do we have physical, external commandments? God told us to assemble ourselves together. Does that mean change your physical geographical location and meet with the body? Uh-huh. Yeah. But don't think, don't think that something that has a physical external element and turn it into just something men observe and brag about. Let it be toward our heart. Jesus said God, God commanded us to gather together. He commanded us to gather together. That's my conclusion. To gather together and on the first day of the week, take this supper. Paul waited for it in Acts chapter 20, 1 Corinthians chapter 16. He said that's what you do on the first day of the week when you get together. Well, to, to me, that's as good as a direct commandment. On the first day of the week, you come together, you take this supper. That is a commandment that you could look at. You could see on your watch how long it takes, like anybody has a watch anymore. You see what I'm saying? That's a physical, external thing that we do physically. Yes, but it has deep spiritual implications. And God has never, never merely been interested in the outward fulfillment of commands. He's not bored. He didn't give us commands that entertain him. He's not trying to ruin our fun or conform our behavior other than as it applies to winning our hearts. You come with me over to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2, and the writer says, we must, I'll wait till you get there. Hebrews chapter 2, he said, we must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. Listen to the message of what we have heard. For if the message spoken by angels was binding, that's the law of Moses. Acts 7.38 and verse 53. Galatians 
the message, the covenant given through angels by a mediator. If that covenant, if the message spoken by angels was binding and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how much more shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? If God gave Israel these external commands that had deep spiritual implications, these, these external commands that were supposed to bind and capture and fasten Israel's heart to their God, They were supposed to see and trust God's purpose through the commands that he had given them and they were supposed to care about how they did what they did. Then how much more are we supposed to care about how we do what we do? And I don't just mean care about the outward and the physical of it. We, we do not have the authority from the New Testament for a woman to stand in this pulpit and preach. But are we listening to what's being preached? Or is God just pleased? No matter what we preach, God is pleased because a woman's not standing here. We have no authority in the New Testament to bring instruments up here and play instruments during our worship. You don't have any authority from scriptures for that. The word psalms does not demand an instrument be picked or played. You can check Gingrich Bauer's correction of that translation. No, I didn't demand it. So God didn't prescribe it and he didn't demand it. So when we get together and sing these songs that Randy's picked out for us to sing tonight, are we listening to the message? Are we hearing the words of those songs and saying, well, now, how about that? You know, that's right. God, you're right. That's what I want. That's what I'm about. Amen to that. Or is God pleased because we're not playing instruments of music? See how we twist that? God told us to sing. There's a reason for it. Paul said in Ephesians 5, singing is just, is just as powerful as drinking wine. I'm looking over here at Brandon because he's law officer. You pull somebody over and they've been drinking a lot of wine. What, I mean, what's happening? No, that changes their thinking so much they're not legally able to control a motor vehicle. I'm telling you, singing is just as powerful. A couple of you guys remind me all the time, when you're mad, you start singing. You quit being mad pretty quick. I know from personal experience, you can be sad or scared and start singing. And just real quick, if you believe the words you're singing and the words you're singing are true, you're not anymore. God's after this, brothers and sisters. He's after this. In the context of all of this physical stuff we do, we, we never, we never forget God is after our hearts. 
We have our men's and our women's Bible studies on Monday nights. We're not trying to accomplish physical, tangible, physical commandments that God gave us. He told us to study, study to show ourselves approved. But we're not trying to just check off a box that we've studied, even that we've studied together. We're trying to open the book and give God our hearts all over again. We're trying to open the book and let God direct our steps. Whatever commandments God might give us, I don't don't think you could pick anything more outward and physical than the command God gave Israel for circumcision. And Paul said he never was after merely the outward and physical. He demanded the outward and physical. But he was after more than that. He was after our hearts. So tonight, no matter how long you've been a Christian, I'm encouraging us to continually hear the call of the gospel. God's after us. He wants us. He wants us to love him. He wants us to know him. He wants us to be changed by him. He wants us to have this great salvation. And we never quit growing and we never quit listening. And we never, we never close our hearts off to God. We never push toward God the physical things we've accomplished and reject God's message that's aiming at our hearts. Let's pray. Almighty God and Father in heaven, we thank you, Father, for who you are the God who has spoken to us the truth, the truth that will sanctify us from the world, the truth, Father, that will set us free. If we will take, Father, your commandments and we will allow them to penetrate, to penetrate our hearts, if we will take honestly and genuinely not just our worship of you, but our lives for you. And seek honestly and genuinely, Father, to be changed, to be transformed, to be impacted by all that you have done for us and all the truth that you have told us. That it would lead us, Father, to know you better. I pray, Father, that we're never satisfied with the outward and physical requirements of our religion, but that we listen, Father, through the truth of your word that is seeking, Father, that is seeking to impact our hearts. Help us, Father. Help us to listen to you. Help us to love you. And help us to take to heart our faith and help our faith in you, Father, to come out of genuine and honest hearts. Direct our steps in this affair, Father, in any way that will glorify you as the God who keeps his promises. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for caring about us, telling us the truth, and for answering our prayers, Father, according to your will. Your will is all we have ever wanted. And we genuinely, Father, want your will to be done in our lives. It's through Jesus who died for us we pray these things now. Amen.
So I tell you the facts as often as I can. The truth is God cannot love you more than he does. Jesus Christ cannot be more powerful than he is. And he wants you to benefit eternally from those two truths. If we can help you tonight, come to the Lord Jesus or be closer in your walk with him. Let us know while we stand and while we sing.